We are in, come follow me, week 24, which is Ruth, um, chapters 1 through 4, and 1 Samuel, chapters 1 through 3. And I want to start in Samuel, chapter 1. And if you go to 17, verse 17 and 18, the first thing that I really loved was that Eli answers um, Hannah. She is there praying. And he says to her, the God of Israel grant thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And I love this in 18. And she said, let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. And to me, that is the faith of a prophet's promise. Um, I just think that is amazing that her whole sorrow was gone. She believed exactly what he said, and she had that much faith in a prophet of God. That is a powerful example. And um, it's interesting to me that we have conference every six months and how much I need that. How my spirit, even though I read and I re-listen to those talks, there is something about hearing them and hearing those words. There's nothing new. They're all the things they tell us to do. We have been told our entire life. It's been that way from the beginning of time that God has said, follow the prophet, read your scriptures, say your prayers, go to the temple. Nothing's new. But somehow it gives me such peace and faith in the prophet's words. And I wake up after conference and I am renewed. I feel like the world is a great pace, place. I will never forget Uchtdorf's talk where he said if he got to pick any time to be alive, it would be now. And I thought, really? And that really changed my attitude. It really helped me. And so I love this faith that she has. And then in 27 and 28, she honors her covenant that she has made to the Lord. What she promised and nobody heard, she honors. And I love in 28, it says, Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. She honored that. She kept her word. So I think that is another powerful example. Her faith and honoring her covenant. Okay, in chapter 2, so Samuel is serving in the temple. He is serving Eli. And I love in verse 21, after she has made this covenant and fulfilled her promise to the Lord, um, she it tells us in verse 21, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. He blesses her so much um, for honoring her covenant. And it's been obviously some time, right? Because Samuel now lives at the temple and he's now aware that we've had this example that Eli's sons are vile um so he's learning it's been some time but she is blessed and this and maybe I'm wrong about my reading it that way but it sounds like it was after she honored her covenant that God blessed her for being so faithful and gave her even more okay um, in 24, we find out that Eli's sons are vile. That word vile really jumped out to me. And it's, they, they transgress against the Lord. Um, 
And I just, the reason that stood out to me is because it reminded me of Alma, at Alma the Younger, when it says they were the vilest of sinners. And it talks about in verse 29 as the Lord tells Eli how his sons don't honor the Lord. And then he says, you have honored your sons above me, which is basically you're not restraining them. And we have the obligation is they take the sacrament. Um, the, the bishop has the obligation. It tells us in the scriptures to make sure no one takes unworthily. And one of the cool ahas, and I've shared this before, is my uncle said, as he read that verse, the spirit said to him, you need to make sure he was in the bishopric. You need to make sure you're taking worthily. Make sure you are worthy. And I thought that was such an awesome question to ask, ask himself. To ask ourselves, am I worthy to be taking this? Have I tried this week to follow my honor my covenants, follow my baptismal covenants, and honor the Lord? And I love that. Okay. And so the Lord basically tells Eli, Eli knows. So none of this is a shock to Eli. God has told him. And if you turn to chapter 3, in verse 13, it says, for I have told him, as God is talking to Samuel, I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. None of this is a shock. Because his sons make themselves vile, there's the word, and he restraineth them not. And so um, I love in this, this example of Alma the Younger. And what I went back and studied that and do you remember when Alma the younger, or when Alma the older, finds out that there are this rising generation that are persecuting the believers? And here's Alma the prophet. And Alma prays to know what to do. And this is what it says in Mosiah 26, 13. And now the spirit of Alma was troubled. And he went and inquired of the Lord what he should do concerning the matter, for he feared that she, he should do wrong in the sight of God. And the reason I love this is because of the humility of Alma. He remembers his days as a wicked priest in King Noah's court. And I know as parents, um, so often when our children do things that they shouldn't do, that we have taught them not to do. Eli, it sounds like, you know, isn't restraining. Maybe they were taught younger. They're, they're probably a lot older um, then we think they're not teenagers, I would imagine. But here, Alma the Younger, in studying Come Follow Me and in teaching seminary, I realized Alma the Younger was, we call him Alma the Younger like he's a teenager. He wasn't. He was a grown man, and he was preaching against his father, the prophet. And that's why he was having great success. But I know his father was probably beating himself up like it was his past that had brought this on, that he had not taught him well, that he deserved this somehow for his past mistakes. And I love this humility because then as you go to verse 19 and it says, and because thou hast inquired of me concerning the transgressor, thou art blessed. Verse 20, thou art my servant and I covenant with thee, thou shalt have eternal life. And that is so touching to me. And then he does follow through. God is the most important person to Alma, the prophet. 
and he follows through and he has to come down on his son. And we all know the story of his son when the angel comes and it's in answer to his father's prayers and smites him. They bring Alma the Younger, who is comatose, can't move, speak, and Alma rejoices, the scriptures say. And then he calls the church together to see this miracle that God has wrought in his son and to have the church pray. And I just think that is such a great example when you have Eli, who is really fearful to chasten his kids and tell them and has not put God first. And I love these two examples. And the thing that so touched me about this is when Samuel, I love that the Lord speaks to him three times. That reminds me of the angel Moroni coming to Joseph Smith three times in the night. And then he comes once more when he falls down from the fence. And I just love that in the mouth of two or three witnesses or three times, God is going to come and tell you and calls to Samuel. And so it's just this example that God will always give us two or three witnesses, but calls to him three times. And when Samuel finally says, because Eli tells him to say, you know, here I am, I hear, speak. And I love this because um, he it has to have been hard for him to say to Eli what the Lord told him. But Samuel from early, early on put God first. And it is a pattern that he did throughout his life. And I love in verse 1, it says, um, in those days there was no open vision. And then in verse 10, verse 2, Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim. He could not see. And I really feel that when there is no open vision, he had no vision. He was not a prophet. He was not putting God first. So his eyes had gone dim spiritually. He could no longer. And I think that's so powerful. And then it tells us in verse 19, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Everything God said, Samuel obeyed and hearkened and listened to and everything that Samuel obeyed and hearkened and covenanted to, God fulfilled. That's what that means. And in verse 20, all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew Samuel was established to be a prophet of God. And I just love that. And the Lord appeared again. So the vision was back, the spiritual vision. And so that is just a powerful example. And I want to jump back to Ruth. Just there were a couple quick things. I loved in chapter one or chapter two, verse 16, this um, testimony of the value of work and letting people, I mean, how beautiful is it that they let fall to the ground and they let the gleaners come in. They could very easily have delivered food to the widows and those who were poor. But to me, this is such a principle that our church is really good about acknowledging. And that is that we need to be self-sufficient that there is something about working for what we get. And I love the Lord's, the Bishop's storehouse, the Lord's example that he has set up, that if the whole entire world would follow, if our government could follow that, what a blessing that would be and what a blessing work is and a gift it is. Um, I love also 
in verse, in chapter one, as it talks about Ruth and Naomi, I loved these words in 14. Ruth clave unto her. And it says in that footnote, example. I just think that is beautiful. And when she says, let him be my God, your God be my God, not I will follow your God. He's going to become mine. And that she cleaves to that example of her mother-in-law. And then I love in 18, she was steadfastly minded. And I love that word steadfast because it's used so much in the Book of Mormon. No turning to the right or the left, but being steadfast and immovable in following the Lord. So I love those words. And then I love in verse 4, verse 15. So after all of this happens with Boaz in verse 15. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons. Have, that God, that testimony that Naomi has shared with her has so influenced Ruth's life that God has become hers and that she is steadfast. And the reason I truly believe that she loves her is because she has led her to God. And that is just a beautiful testimony. So those were just my couple things that I learned in these chapters. And I hope that there is powerful to you that God has to be first in our life. I love that example from Ruth. And it's just followed up with this example of Samuel putting him first in his life, even not fearing Eli, this great leader who has led him. And I love the humility of Eli, that he accepts what God says and knows that he has not done. He has not put God first in his life. And that's powerful to me. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.